0: This is Playing Around with Paige Renee.
1: Everyone, welcome back to another episode of Playing Around. So last week's episode did really well. You guys enjoy the Paige Bears All episodes, probably because I talk about sex in them and everyone loves the (laughs) sex talk. I think I just need to drop subtle sex remarks in the podcast throughout to sprinkle them in that way I can use them for clickbait and be like, today we talk about anal, swipe up, and that's it. (laughs) Like, good morning, sex. How are you guys today? Sex. Threesomes. (laughs) 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 But we are going to continue and answer a couple more of your questions that you wrote in. So, Tori, let's just continue on with this page bears all. Okay. We'll start with,
2: you know, some motivation Monday. Paige, what motivates you?
1: Um, <laughs> you know, it's funny because all of my motivational or um, inspirational questions that I get always turn into be very negative because that's just the way that I think. I'm very pessimistic. So failure motivates me. That's what keeps me going. I don't want to fail. I want people to... See me being right. successful. I think that a lot of people look at my career or what I'm doing, and a lot of them want me to fail, and they have such low expectations for me. And so when I wake up every morning, I go, okay, what can I do to be better, um, to show them that I am not this or that I can achieve that, and that's what yeah. keeps me going. It's just the the hate that I get and the fear of failure, and also just to be normal. I think that's one thing that my parents kind of instilled in me is to just not expect normalcy like be better than that do more than that and I know that sounds really bad because there's nothing wrong with that but they just said what can you do to be the best that you can be and no matter what you do always be the best and I think that's why I am the way that I am good or bad I have a lot of these issues it's because I've always had those expectations put on me from a very young age it's like okay are you doing the dishes be the best you can at doing the dishes everything that I've done has always been like a competition oh my gosh and that's just how my parents raised me Yeah,
2: makes sense. All right, (laughs) to transition a little bit, what is your worst food poisoning experience?
1: I have a pretty strong stomach, so I haven't had too many bad experiences. I've only thrown up maybe four or five times really I yeah i wouldn't say i had slight food poisoning off of a hamburger once but even then it wasn't that bad and i didn't throw up
2: it just like I, didn't sit well it just
1: didn't sit well but yeah. one thing that i that really affects me is alcohol so i have the worst hangovers of all time. Really? Of all time. And that's one of the reasons why I also stopped drinking is because if I would drink heavily, the next morning, I thought I was going to die. It was so bad. This is totally the grossest thing that has ever happened to me in my entire life. I was so hungover. (laughs) The next morning, it was after New Year's Eve, and I drank literally everything in sight, everything. Night before, I threw up. And then I was laying in bed, and there was literally, like, throw up next to me, and I I couldn't move my body. I literally couldn't move my body, and I'm looking up, and I had this skylight, and I see this light coming down. I'm like, this is how I'm going to die. Like, I <laughs> saw in that The, <laughs> the <laughs> heavens have opened. The heavens have opened up. The light was beaming down. God was ready to take me. I was probably going to hell, not heaven. But I was ready to go, and I... I literally was like, there was throw up there, pee there. I was like, <gasps> it was the most disgusting What were you experience. drinking? Everything. So I would mix. And so I would, I had chocolate. No. Everything. Beer. I mean, no. I would drink mouthwash if it had alcohol in it. I would do anything. And so after that moment, I was like, I can't. I literally can't okay, drink anymore. Because no, my man. body completely shut down. And I was hungover for a good week. Everyone's going to have the
2: worst hangovers if you're mixing that much. If you stick to one drink the whole night, you would be 10 times better the next day.
1: No. Well, so I go from – it's either zero or 100. There's no middle ground for me. And so when I'm drinking, I'm drinking to get fucked up. And so I would never go into and be like, you know, moderation is great. Let's just have a little sip of, you know, this and I'll be good for the night. I'm like, let's fucking go. Give me everything. And once I get like one shot or two shots, I become a completely different person. In college, my nickname was Rager. So I – Oh, I love that. (laughs) There was – I was an animal, a complete animal. And so when people see me now and, you know, I'm like, oh, I don't drink. I don't party. And they're like, who are you? You're not the same person that you were in college. I was a wild one. Wild. It, it's funny when you
2: when I hear people say that. I'm always like, gosh, they're just so healthy. Like they have their life together when they don't drink. But really, it usually comes from like some scarring college, a little bit of post-college moments where you're like, I don't need this anymore.
1: I would wake up. I don't even know, I'd wake up in bushes, I'd wake up in random beds, random couches, on floors, and I wouldn't know what happened the rest of the night. Like, absolutely no idea. And I was like, and then I I was going to die the next morning. I was like, I can't do this anymore. It's not okay.
2: (laughs) My girl just said she wakes up in bushes. I just, I, the stories are going to need to pick up back then. We're going to move to the next one. What do you want for Christmas?
1: Mmm. We're not really doing a big Christmas this year, obviously, with uh, COVID. My parents are staying separated from Mm. me. And so I think just... (laughs) my one Christmas wish is for next year to be normal. If we can just have some normalcy, that would be amazing. I can't believe that it's already December and this year is almost over. I think we're all happy that the year is close to being done, but no, I just want everyone to be happy and healthy. And I know it sounds stupid, but I think that's kind of what everyone's wishing for right now. I agree. How many boyfriends have you had? <laughs> um, so... Well, okay. It's complicated. We can understand. It's, it's complicated. It's complicated. So one for sure, one real boyfriend, uh, The I three maybe. So the other two, I dated this one guy in college for about a week and that was it when we broke up. So I don't even know if that even counts as like a real relationship at right. all. And then the one before that was the guy who said that if a car hit me, he'd be totally fine by it. Yeah, he's a gem.
2: So I don't know
1: if I consider him also a boyfriend because he never called me his girlfriend. So I think it's still Uh, only one.
2: Yeah, I'm going to say it's a hard no for him.
1: Yeah, hard no for him, hard no for the other one. So yeah, only one boyfriend. So I never had a ton of boyfriends at all. Um, Never would be in full relationships. I would just... Date guys, and then I was never girlfriend material. So I always joke that you know it's like um, that movie Good Luck Chuck when he would date someone, and then they yes. get married. That's who I was. Every single guy I dated, the next girl they dated, they would get engaged or married or have no. you know, like a long relationship. And so that's what I thought my purpose was in life was just to charity. <laughs> be the be the girl that you're like definitely don't want her. This <laughs> one's great. <laughs> I have are
2: you? like what do they call it when you're almost like a love addict where you like can fall in love and you want people to fall in love with you really quickly like
1: do you, know you feel like you're romantic? Ha-
2: no it's more of like being a love addict like where you just strive to have people love you and then you fall in love like really quick with another person but that doesn't mean you necessarily want to be with that person
1: a hundred percent I fall in love so fast I will fall in love within like a week and I'm obsessive about it and I just. I think it's because I... I'm definitely super insecure. And I crave that kind of affection. I think it's because my parents aren't very affectionate. And so they mm. always say that what's missing in your childhood comes out later in life. And so I think that's what I wanted to have that love and that affection from. And it's not that, again, it's not that my parents were bad at all. They're just not a very like, affa- I'm, we're not an affectionate family. Right. I don't hug my dad. I don't hug my sister. Really? Yeah. I My parents don't hold hands. Like They just don't show affection in that way. And and so I think that I wanted that type of affection because I never had that before. <sighs> and so I I liked that like intimacy and that love that you could find with someone else, and it always backfired because I would think that you know it'd be something a little bit more, and they're like, nah, you're just a tune it and boot it. Like we're out after that. And so that was always really hard for me because I wanted to find that that love or that intimacy, and I never I like didn't find that, especially like early on in college was the worst. Wow. Oh, my heart kind of hurts. Well, to, you know, pivot in the most inconvenient way, how's tennis going? (laughs) Um, So I was obsessed with tennis for a while, and then uh, the match with the four playboys was coming up. And so I was like, I I need to stop playing tennis. I need to get into golf. And so I got obsessive with golf recently, and so I haven't played tennis in a while. But I think I'll get back into that now that I already won the match with them.
2: What is the worst showing of anger you've displayed on a golf course? Ooh, I like this one.
1: A couple. So, I have anger issues, and people don't really expect really? that from me. Yeah. yeah, so my emotions run really hot. So, again, like when I, with my drinking and falling in love, I think you guys are seeing a pattern where it's <laughs> zero or 100. There's no middle ground for me. And so, I, that comes up with my anger. If I get angry, it's literally zero to a hundred, like screaming, yelling, full blown anger. And so that comes out on the golf course. Um, I would say probably the worst was when I hit a bad shot and I grabbed my club and I told the story I think it was probably in the very first the very first episode? Was that the Crabs episode or was that the third one? I think that was second. Okay, so whenever I talked about the rumor of me having crabs, I I told this story as well, but I grabbed my club and I just tomahawked it right against the tree and it just snapped the club. Just completely snapped the club in half. I have thrown clubs. I have... Everything you can do with a club, I have done it out of anger. I get so mad and so frustrated by golf. And I think that is also why I didn't make it as a professional because the highs were too high and the lows were too low. And I would just get so unbelievably frustrated to the point where I just wanted to like scream and break clubs and walk off the golf course. Okay, so in a team
2: situation, like I'm hearing that. And like if I was – if I ever did something like that in a volleyball game or – practice they'd be like get on the line and you're gonna go do like liners and the whole team would have to suffer like do golfers have that punishment because it's such an individual sport like does it do you get any consequences
1: yeah, so you'd get normally in junior golf, um, you get a one stroke penalty or there's fines Got or penalties it. to it, but you know, it's not like you're out of here, you can't play anymore. You usually just get, you know, a shot penalty or whatever they have it set up for that. But that's why I also didn't do a lot of team sports because I do get really competitive and I would I would be the person that would yell at my teammates to be better, to work harder, to do all of this stuff. Yeah. And I, I'm better on my own.
2: <laughs> right.
1: Um, okay, so this question is what is your biggest fear?
2: But I also would like to know what's your most irrational fear.
1: Squirrels. So I have this. <laughs> it's a real thing. I am so deathly afraid of squirrels. And it happened so in Colorado oh. we had this huge water park called Waterworld. It's really amazing. But, anyways, there's a ton of squirrels there. And so I was walking and I was I was really young and the squirrel comes up and like crawls up my leg and like crawls up me and I flipped out and ever since then I've had this fear of squirrels and so if I see a squirrel on a golf course I will start crying and shaking and having a full-blown panic attack because I I hate squirrels that much I can't even like look at them but it didn't bite you or anything it just crawled up you he probably just wanted to hang it's just the little beady eyes with the bushy tail and they just look like rats like it just grosses me out so much and they're so quick they're agile so you don't <laughs> you don't know what they're gonna do when they jump and so it's like they could be over there fine just chilling and all of a sudden it's like up on your car right next to you trying to eat you and I cannot I, I can't handle It's my biggest fear by far by far
2: I'm gonna say that's your most irrational fear
1: no Like, there's nothing else that I can think of that scares me more than squirrels. You are kidding me. Yes. Like, dead serious. There's nothing else that scares me more than squirrels. I could see a snake. I don't have a fear of heights. If I drowned, it's like, so what? Like, God's taking me at this time in my life. I don't, like, being burned alive. There's, like, there's things that, like, are the the main fears of people. And that doesn't, that doesn't scare me. Like, it's squirrels. I mean, I'm
2: speechless. I'm speechless. (laughs) I I just think squirrels are actually kind of cute. So I just have no basis. Like when you compare them to rats, I'm like, rats are disgusting.
1: Squirrels are cute. No, rats don't move as fast as squirrels. Squirrels have like super, they're like super rats. I think think you don't know
2: what a rat is. (laughs) Because I feel like rats are very quick. But anyways... To, you know, we get it. Squirrels, all protect you if we ever see a squirrel. And if anybody else sees her, a squirrel come for her, get in the way. Uh, next question is, in a pro... Okay, wait. In a pro-am. Am. Pro-am. Am. am pro-am. Am, pro am, okay. In a pro-am with a PGA player.
1: <laughs> a pro-am. <laughs> we have a pro-am and a pro-pm.
0: <laughs> I don't know. Golf. <laughs>
2: In a pro-am with a PGA player, uh, now I'm just so shook right now, okay.
1: Am is short for amateur, so professional amateur teamed up together.
2: Okay, that makes sense. In a pro-am with a PGA player, who would be? Who would you be most and least comfortable playing with? <laughs>
0: um,
2: You're like, what?
1: let me go through my list. Let me just list it out. I would say for least comfortable, I'm not going to name any names, but I would say the guys who willingly shared my nude picture around and then shit-talked me about that and other things, I would say there's a group of them that I would definitely not want to play with, and it's gone better, I would say, and some of them actually apologized to me, but there's still a couple out there that I, like, I I won't, I can't even face them. Like, I'll see them at pro-ams, and I'm just like, you're dead. I hate you. Yeah, And not only that, but things that they've done to other women, too, kind of the same thing. And they just don't care at all. They think they're invincible because they play on tour and they make a lot of money and they're so cool. And I'm like, you know, you're a piece of shit. So probably them, <laughs> I would not want to play with. That would not be an enjoyable pro-am. And then I would say most enjoyable would probably be... Gosh, there's so many actually really nice guys. I know I talk about some of the guys who aren't very nice, but yeah. there are so many truly genuine nice guys out on tour. Um, Jason Day is great. Roy McElroy, Tony Finau is probably the nicest guy you will ever meet. Jason Kokrak I played with before. He was awesome. I mean, Tommy Fleetwood was really nice to me. Sergio Garcia. I, 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 I could keep going with the list of people who have been – um, so welcoming and so nice and so it's great to see some of the really top guys as well like Dustin yeah. Johnson, Brooks Koepka, uh, they, they've they also been nice as well so there's more good than there are bad and luckily I've never had to play with any of the guys who have caused me so much emotional drama in my life and most Jeez. of them have been really really great so I always just try to focus on that and pro- all the programs that I have played in I've played with really great guys.
2: I just want you to like list names, but you know that's just
1: the producer and <laughs> <in> me. <I laughs> okay, to <wanna> get sued.
2: <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, last question: What is your favorite holiday tra- tradition?
1: So uh, this goes back to me believing in Santa, that Santa's real. He is,
2: real. Thing, he is real. But one thing
1: that he is to any kids in the
2: car right now,
1: <laughs> he's very real. Uh, one thing that my parents did that I always thought was really really cool is that to separate the presents that we got from Santa from the presents that they got us. They would wrap the presents in newspaper. And so that was always the gifts that Santa got us. They were the ones wrapped in newspaper. And my mom started doing that, um... Her parents did that because they couldn't afford wrapping paper, and mm. so they just used the new paper newspaper, and so they um kept that tradition going with us and then all want to keep that tradition going as well. And they would also uh sprinkle tinsel wherever Santa walked throughout the house
3: and oh, so cute. we
1: could see him like go up to our rooms and then back down. And so they always made that night so so special and they did all these, you know, little things where, you know, they'd eat the cookies and then they would eat the the carrot that we set out and they'd do the tinsel and then the newspaper and so they really went all out to um, make us believe that Santa is real and they did a really great job at that so really they great did, job they did a really amazing job. job my parents are the best in the world Bob. no and so that was always really fun for us to like go back downstairs and then see all the presents Yeah, got to newspaper and that was always really fun truly there's no better feeling no no and now it's killed but it's fine still not over it hasn't even been 15 years it's still fresh fresh in my mind well that's all the questions so sorry to end on something that's a trauma question <laughs> i mean everything's emotional trauma for me let's just face it squirrels I mean, santa boyfriends squirrels they're gross <laughs> Okay, Tori, I just bared my soul and all of the <laughs> emotional trauma that I faced. People are probably listening to this is like we feel so bad for this poor girl. Like she is a shit show of a person.
2: Like in between breaks, you're just like, hey, texting your therapist, like a new trigger. Need you tomorrow. <laughs> Squirrel, see you
1: tomorrow. <laughs> One word. But you know, I've learned a lot. From my experiences. And that's why TNA is a really great segment. So come on, Tori. Hit me some questions.
2: Wow. Great transition.
1: Okay, this one's from
2: Dustin. Just to carry on more with some Christmas. What is the best and worst Christmas present you have received?
1: (laughs) So uh, probably the worst one. So every Christmas Eve, our parents let us open up one present. And I was such a snot when I was younger. And this goes back (laughs) to the competitiveness that we we were raised to have, and so I would count all of the presents that I got and that my sister got, and they always had to be even, so they always knew that we had to get, you know, a certain amount, and so they let us open up one gift, and I picked the biggest gift, and I was like, this is going to be great, and my sister opened, like, a small one. It ended up being, it was like a cell phone or something really, really cool, and I opened mine, and mine was, like, a picture. It was, like, a framed picture, and I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this, mom? Why did you let me open up that one? You knew what that was. It was literally a picture frame. Why would you let me, 12-year-old me, open up that and expect me to be happy with that? <laughs> and so then they're like, well, you can open up another one. So I opened up another one. I was like, well, now Lexi has more... More gifts than me, and so Lexi had to then open up another gift, oh, and then I and then I got socks, and I was like, "What am I gonna do with pictures, a picture and a when so- socks?" So then we had to open another one, and then I had to open another one. My sister had to open another one, and then it was fine. But that was probably the worst, worst experience that I've had. Oh with
2: gifts. my gosh, the drama with your sister having to match you is <laughs> so relatable. I had like two other sisters, and we were always the same.
1: Best gift, I would say. My dad, he would always get us one really, really cool gift every year. And he. Like each
2: or for both of you? For both
1: of us. There's always something that we could do for the both of us. Okay. And so he would always go out and get us like an Xbox or the GameCube or anything like that. And so that was always fun opening my dad's like one big gift. And he would always go the night of the 24th and try to find it. And it was always so stressful for him. And so no one had any idea what he was going to get. And then he would always, you know, always come through with a really, really cool gift.
2: Oh, my gosh. So he's dipping out Christmas Eve to go try to find something on the
1: shelves. Y- yeah. I think it's because he didn't want to wrap all of the presents in newspaper. So he was like, bye, I'm going to go to the mall and try to find this oh gift my that, like, gosh. no one can possibly find. But he always found it. He always got exactly what he was looking for
2: that's hilarious yeah. okay, this next one's from Jeff what are the top three courses I should play in Phoenix over Christmas
1: oh, so there's so many really great courses and you can't really go wrong I think that it depends on your price range so right now until about March is the most expensive time to play golf in Arizona and oh, so wow. it's prime time you can't play anywhere else and the weather here is perfect so everyone comes down to Arizona especially in the winter to go play golf so the the prices do Kind of skyrocket. So I would say for um, a reasonably priced course, Papago is really great. I also really like Mountain Shadows, which is a par three course. It's really fun to play with your kids, or it, it's just if it, you can play it in two hours, eighteen holes in two hours, and it's just so much fun. Uh, Camelback is also a really great golf course. They have two golf courses there. You can go play there. Greyhawk, also they have two golf courses there. You can play. Wico Paw, these are also really expensive courses. (laughs) It's hard to find really good, inexpensive golf courses in Arizona around this time. Um, For that, you can also play McCormick Ranch. And... I just played Silverado and that's always like a really fun golf course you can play that's not that expensive it's pretty easy you can go pretty low but they keep you in good shape so I would say those are um, my top list of golf courses they sound fantastic I know Tori (laughs) we we need to go and play we need to get you out on the golf course and I wouldn't want to embarrass you like that Paige (laughs) (laughs) I think it's good content for the podcast so we'll have to go play one day for sure I'll just be drinking perfect (laughs) I'll drive you around Exactly.
2: (laughs) Well, speaking of golf, the the PNC, I almost said RNC. The
1: The PNC Championship, we have a lot to talk about this because it went viral on social media. Charlie Woods, Charlie Woods, Charlie Woods, Charlie Woods. Who is Tiger Woods' 11-year-old son played together in this, mostly it's father-son, but you had Annika playing with her dad, and then you also had Bernhard Langer playing with his daughter, but most of the teams were father-son. And it's this really great tournament where they play a scramble format and you get to see all your favorite major championship winners play with their offspring. So and cute. It's so cute. But everyone was talking about Charlie Woods because not only is he the son to the greatest of all time, but the mannerisms that this kid had was identical to to Tiger. They were swinging in sync after they would hit the ball. They would do the same club twirl. They would step back. Everything this kid was doing looked a, like a clone of Tiger Woods. And it I just love blew that. my mind. And it's crazy because they're like, yeah, of course, Paige, like that's his son. They're going to be the same. No, no, no. It was uncanny how much they looked like each other. It was. Incredible! One of the coolest things that I have ever seen in my entire life. It just made 2020 so much better seeing all of the Charlie and Tiger content because one of the mannerisms and just, it, they looked so identical. Everything was in sync from the way that they walked, to the way that they stand, to the way they yeah. drink water, to the way that they hit the golf ball. Every single thing was identical down to a T. But Charlie... He's an incredible golfer. He's 11 years old. That's what I'm reading. He, like, barely missed any fairways. He carried the team. Like, can you imagine carrying the team and your partner's Tiger Woods? You're no. like, sorry, I got this. I mean, his swing is so pure. It's kind of a mix between Justin Thomas, Roy McIlroy, and Tiger Woods. His positions are perfect. I don't think people realize how mechanically sound his swing is. I mean, he was hitting every position exactly where you need to be hitting them. His short game was on point. He was hitting wedges into a foot, two feet, three feet. I mean, he was sticking shots all day long. He made an eagle on his own ball. He even had the little fist pump that looked like Tiger. It was, I just, I can't get over how incredible that moment was. And not only that, but to see Tiger Woods, who is this He's untouchable. It, it's, he really is. Uh, he, he he. You don't even view him as a person anymore because of everything that he's accomplished. And they've almost made him unhuman, like the way that they cover him also in media. And he seems like nothing will ever hurt him or bring him down. or He's just, he doesn't seem like one of us. <laughs> he he right. just seems superhuman. And so to see him... Be a father and be so caring and loving towards his son was a different side that we've all seen of Tiger. And it was something so special to witness that bond that they have and that special moment that they were having together. And you could see Tiger being emotional over it. Yeah. Because he was so proud of his son who was playing in this tournament with all of this pressure and he handled himself like a little professional. He. Had all of the moves. Like, he is going to be someone that we need to watch out for. Was this the first time they've done this together? First year that they have played in this event, and also kind of the first time any of us have really seen Charlie Woods. We have seen him play in a couple junior events, and you would get these weird creeper videos of a guy in a bush trying to take oh, a swing a, yeah. a video of Charlie swing. But this was the first time we really got to see him play and to see those mannerisms of how he acts and how he carries himself. And so I think that's why it was such a big deal. And I think there is a lot of discussion about the pressure that we are going to put on him now moving forward and how protective Tiger is over Mm. Charlie. I don't think he's ever really going to want to speak about him too much, which I respect and I completely understand. But if anyone can handle this amount of pressure it's Charlie Woods and with his dad who has been through been through it and through so much more than any of us have ever been through i think he's going to be coached the right way he is not going to be pressured into doing it you could see how competitive charlie was and he really wanted to win he really wanted to compete he in this did. event and that was so cool to see that you know tigers obviously not pushing him at all into this, and this is something that Tiger wanted, or that Charlie wanted to do, and, you know, Tiger did the event for Charlie, which, again, was really, really cool to see, and something that I was not, I knew was going to be a big media circus around them together, but, again, to see the way that Charlie was acting and carrying himself, and how poised that he is at 11 years old, was beyond anything that I could have ever expected from him. So wild. And he was... (laughs) And he learned from his dad, too, because he was talking trash the entire time. So he played with Justin Thomas the first day, who ended up winning the tournament with his father. Why can't I say father today? Spotter. (laughs) Fodder. (laughs) Fodder. So Justin Thomas won with his father. And they played together in the first round, and they seem to play a lot of golf together, and so they're used to shit-talking. But Charlie carried his own. I mean, he left a little note for Justin in the bunker that said draw a hole after uh, Justin didn't draw it. And so he uh, <laughs> he's a chip off the old block. I love it. I love
2: it. It kind of made it more like... Um... I feel like this is kind of something you've been, like, looking for to make it more human of a sport. It was just, like, seeing, like, a father-son dynamic, to see people kind of just, like, dishing it out. And coming from an 11-year-old, you're like, you can't put a price tag on that.
1: It was, honestly, he would walk and I would start smiling. It was just one of the cutest things that I have ever seen. and. Not just them, but like all of the people who participated in that tournament. Just to see that bond and how golf can bring you together and how many kids are following in their parents' footsteps by playing golf and how good they are. Matt Kuchar's son is... A stick Like, he is so good at golf, and he's going to be a really special player. Then you have John Daly and Little John, which is his son. And it's just – it was so cute to see all of them interact. And, again, we don't really view professional athletes as humans. We don't no. ever think of them that way. And to, So to see them in a role that makes them so relatable was really great. And it was so good for golf, again, too. I think – I mean, Charlie was was trending on Twitter. I mean, it was – mind-blowing to see how many times people were talking about him wanting to talk about him and how positive it was too and as we know twitter's absolute worst majority of the time but people were really supportive of him and i think that's also really going to help his development and his progression throughout his career if people can understand that he's just a kid and that if we take the pressure off of him and we just support him then he's going to have a better chance of being as great as i think he's going to be i mean he right. is a prodigy he has so much talent he's so talented
2: and he's so cute
1: he's the cutest Their little kid. matching shirts yeah wearing tiger's signature red yep. on sunday and they were both matching it was too good it was too good i mean it was some of the cutest content that i have seen this year and i think it made everyone so so happy
2: Well, I should have watched this tournament.
1: (laughs) (laughs) I know. I don't know why I didn't tell you to watch this one. But I think you would have really enjoyed it. And again, it was... I can't get over Charlie Woods. He's cooler than all of us. He's the coolest little kid. And you guys know that I don't like kids. I don't like babies. I don't like kids. But I'm obsessed with Charlie Woods. I think he's going to be really great for golf. It's funny because we always talk about who's going to ignite the golf world next or who's going to bring this kind of attention. I haven't seen this kind of media reaction to someone since Tiger Woods and so it was so cool to see people talking about someone other than Tiger in that way and yes it's his son but still like we have Uh, something to be so excited about yeah yeah this kid's gonna win the masters and you know 2033 like you don't you don't know but so wild that's what's so fun to think about with him it's like the possibility of almost like another Tiger Woods and watching him grow up is I think getting everyone super excited
2: or just seeing a kid that can actually like live up to the hype is kind of unheard of
1: yeah and like I said if anyone's gonna be able to handle it it's going to be Charlie Woods I mean the amount of knowledge that Tiger has to pass down onto that kid is invaluable was his mom there like were the moms there so Elon was actually actually there, Whoa, and then Tiger's okay. girlfriend was also there. and no? they, were, <laughs> okay. they were walking together with um, Tiger's daughter. It was really cool to see that family dynamic and another look into Tiger's personal life, which we never, ever get to see. Yeah.
2: Again, you really should have told me to watch this one. But anyways, we'll move on.
1: We'll move on. <laughs> Tori. I'm pissed. Steelers? No. Well, no. hopefully they don't lose again tonight. If they win tonight, then they clinch a playoff spot. But I'm not too don't optimistic about that. Yeah. yeah, I'm not too hopeful. Uh, we got to talk about Notre Dame. I should have
2: figured that was where we were going.
1: Oh, Notre Dame, Notre Dame. So they lost to Clemson 34-10, got <gasps> Embarrassed. Embarrassed. All those salty Notre Dame fans coming at me last time when they won, and I said, you guys won against their second team, nothing to cheer about. And then when Trevor Lawrence comes back, they get absolutely demolished. And so the big controversy <laughs> was, should they get a playoff spot? I said they don't deserve to be in the playoffs. Well, okay, Surprised to absolutely no one, they get a playoff spot. So Alabama basically got a buy in the first round. So it's going to be Alabama against Notre Dame and then Clemson versus Ohio State. So Alabama's number one, Clemson number two, Ohio State yeah. three, and Notre Dame four. So what are your at, picks?
2: I mean, we could all I guess. I it's going but... to be Alabama
1: and Clemson <laughs> yeah, in the exactly. finals. Which, again, it's fine. And I think that was the discussion that everyone was having is it doesn't matter who number four is. They're all going to be blown out by Alabama. But my argument is... Florida gave them a run. They had Mm -hmm. a really good game against Alabama, and we already saw what Notre Dame did against Clemson, and they got embarrassed. Completely, utterly embarrassed. So if someone's going to get blown out by Alabama, why give it to Notre Dame again? Give it to a Cincinnati who might not be in this position again. Let's give it to a Texas A&M. Let's spread the love a little bit. Stop giving it to Notre Dame. But again, it always comes down to reputation and money and who's gonna buy the ticket. And that's where I have my problem with Notre Dame. So the major complaint I have against them is that their reputation offers them advantages that is not rewarded to other people. I know you're probably laughing at my face right now because I'm (laughs) a (laughs) walking example embodiment of privilege, and I've received sponsor invites based on my appearance or my social media presence, and so I feel like I'm very qualified to speak on this because Notre Dame doesn't deserve it. (laughs) So, over the last 40 years, they've had a preseason top 25 ranking – 30 times. Out of those 30 years, they ended up unranked 14 years. That's 47%. Counting the additional 10 years in which they ended the season at or lower than preseason ranking, that comes to 80%. So 24 years out of the 30 years, they did worse than expected, and yet they keep getting ranked in the top 25 year after year. So it doesn't... Makes that sense is wild. Yeah. For them to keep getting these opportunities when other teams could deserve it more. And I know you're thinking, thinking like, okay, well, who who else could be in there? You could have literally put anyone else in there. Why does it always have to be Notre Dame? Why do they always have to keep getting these opportunities? But I feel like it's what you're saying though. Like
2: Notre Dame is like the iconic. They've had those games that is always like the underdog beats the team that should have won, and they have kind of have that, like, stereotype. They're not really, like, winners, but they always have excitement around them. So I could see them being, like, let's see what they could pull through this time.
3: I
1: bet it's, like, how many – when I say that I, ex- I accepted a sponsor invite, I, ac- I accepted them for a year, and I was like, you know what? Screw this. I'm not good enough. I'm not going to do this anymore. This has been 30 years <laughs> of this. Like at what point are you gonna be like you know what Notre Dame isn't that great they can't seem to get to that next level let's let's try to mix it up a little bit this year let's do something a little bit different something I mean any how much more different do you want it with the putting a season on in COVID I mean you could say that <laughs> you're not supposed to be making points Tori
2: you're right sorry 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 yeah
1: yeah you're right Paige. <laughs>
2: But I will say, uh, the Alabama-Clemson game, if we're already doing picks and we all know that they're going to come out alive, that's going to be the game.
1: There's no way Notre Dame is going to upset Alabama. They barely upset Clemson without Trevor Lawrence. And it took them double overtime to even get to that point. And I know people are like, well, the freshman quarterback's really good. Yes, he was really good, but he, there's so many other aspects that make a really great quarterback, and that's the leadership, sure. game calling, uh, and being talented, and that's what Trevor Lawrence has over an experience over the freshman quarterback. And so, of course, when Trevor Lawrence is in the game, it's going to be a completely different team. and that was shown against Notre Dame again. They got embar- it was embarrassing. <laughs> the only time they scored is when they took everyone out and they were playing their second team again. Like, they can only beat their second team. I just love how heated you still are about this. It just bothers me. And yes. now I can see why people get so irritated with me, because they see that I get these opportunities that maybe other people don't get based on you know certain aspects of who I am. Yeah. But I have stopped doing that. I don't play professional golf anymore for that reason. So it's like Notre Dame should just bow out and be like, sorry, we're done. We're not going to do this anymore. Oh please. <laughs> <Yeah>, Alright. <laughs> then you'd be on Twitter being like Notre Dame are late
2: losers. You'd never uh, be satisfied. I know. But let's I, keep it I going. Would. What else what else are you feeling heated about right now? Let's keep going. <laughs> Mostly Notre Dame.
1: <laughs> that has been consuming my life for like the last two days and I got into it. Pretty bad with Notre Dame fans on Twitter, no surprise to anyone. But it just bothers me. It just bothers me that they keep getting these opportunities and they're not taking advantage of it. Like, when are you going to take advantage of it? And I swear, Tori, if they end up upsetting Alabama, I'm going to deactivate my Twitter account. I
2: (laughs) I that's what football's all about.
1: That's what football's (laughs) all
2: about. It's all about the upsets,
1: okay? I've talked so much shit on Notre Dame that if they upset Alabama, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. I literally don't know what I'll do with myself. I feel like how you're feeling right
2: now is how I'm feeling right now for, with uh, the Jets beating the Rams. <laughs> the where Jets like,
1: can't even lose properly.
2: Like, I just said I'm all about upsets, and then now I'm like, wait, actually, like, I am shooketh by this game. <laughs> And the fact that now they don't have the number one pick because they won is just... like Season is is literally over, and then they just got their their first win, and now they don't have the first draft pick, like Jaguars do.
1: They can't do anything right. They I can't mean, do anything I right. I feel so bad for Jets fans. The one saving grace of this entire shitty season, they didn't win a game, was the fact that they were going to get the number one draft pick, which is going to be Trevor Lawrence. Exactly. And Trevor Lawrence is... A -a once-in-a-lifetime talent. I mean, he will change any organization around in snap of the fingers. He's truly, truly impressive, and we have seen that with Clemson when he just dominated Notre Dame. Right. The fact that the Jets (laughs) beat the Rams, (laughs) and now they lose their number one draft pick. What the fuck were they thinking? That's a time where that's like we're going to lose, right? Like le- like let's let's not let's not make this happen. We got to lose. Like Sam Darnold is like just a little too
2: late on the like I'm going I'm going to take this and win because you had all season and they still are going to go for a quarterback. And then now you want to pull out a win and then just not saying it's Only him, like defense. He's like, I need my job. I am not going to be replaced. Where were you? Yeah, like we had all season, and then now you want to. I mean, listen, beating the Rams, it's great. You're shutting down Jared Goff, which is was at one point the highest paid quarterback. But you just can't do it. Like I just, I'm, I'm really speechless at this point. So that's where my heatedness is coming from. Is that even a word? We don't know.
1: Heatedness. It's. The the rants that I saw from Jets fans were spectacular. I mean, it, it, it just so Jets fashion to do that that it's it's just funny at this point. You you just have to laugh at how bad it is. Like <laughs> they just lost Trevor Lawrence by winning a game. You had one job. You literally had one job. <laughs> but I'm actually heated about Carson Wentz. I think we need to talk about Carson Wentz. So Do we? we, Do we? We
2: I do do. love him. I do love him.
1: So he is pissed off, and he was quoted as saying that if he doesn't get the starting job in Philadelphia, then he no longer wants to play for them anymore. Uh, Bro is making a hundred and some (laughs) million dollars by sitting on the bench right now. He's, He's doing just fine. But Jalen Hurts has come in and has flipped the team. When Jalen came in, it looked like a different football team. They were energized. You could tell they wanted to play for Mm -hmm. him. And it just makes you think the Eagles literally want to play for anyone but Carson Wentz. They played great for Nick Foles. They won the Super Bowl with Nick well, Foles. Yeah. They sucked with Carson Wentz again, and then Jalen comes in, and they're energized, and they look like a, a new team now. So is Carson Wentz literally the worst person in the world in the locker room? Why do they hate Carson Wentz so much? Well, that that's weird. I was going to bring that up because
2: Nick Foles was technically older and the backup quarterback, and then Carson tore his ACL and, like, everything that – could exist in a knee. And so it's like weird that, and he was so supportive of Nick. And so it's weird to see now like him potentially being the backup. And like Nick was always really supportive of Carson and they like literally like do double dates together and everything. So it's <laughs> interesting that now he's like in this role of like, yeah, you, you were at one point a, a great quarterback and you could still get it back. But like also you could be so powerful by being a backup quarterback because we saw that happen with your team. So, like, why not take the Nick Foles perspective and just be stacked, you know?
1: I think he's just butthurt because they drafted Jalen Hurts, and so that right there shows that they didn't have any trust in Carson Wentz. And so they're basically saying that we don't have any belief in you, and so we are going to now draft – someone else to potentially either fight for your job or take your your spot if one you get hurt again or you're just not doing what you need to do so i'm sure that was a huge shot to his ego where he was like oh well they don't they don't see me as being a franchise quarterback for them anymore because they are drafting someone who is as talented as jalen hurts That's just like the
2: name of the game. I'm exactly, and
1: then you have someone like a Jalen Hurts who hasn't been. He's always been kind of the second person, you know. Mm-hmm. He got hurt when he was playing for Alabama, and then he had to transfer to Oklahoma, and he's always performed really well. And yeah. now he's you know he was the backup for Carson Wentz, and so it's nice to finally see him have his chance to shine and see that his style of play fits the Eagles so much better than Carson and the way that Carson Wentz is going about this makes him look like a baby I think he needs to humble himself a little bit and it's like yes you have all that guaranteed money but at the same time if you're not producing results and you're not winning why would you expect them to still put you in that position you're not doing what you need to be doing you either need to fix it pick it up or we're replacing you and instead of him being like this is extra motivation for me to work harder and be better he is complaining about it and saying that it's that he should be the one there and if he doesn't get a play then he's going elsewhere right like, they've given you so many opportunities and money there's nothing more that you could ask for them to do to you and yet you're the one acting like a big baby and all of this be better win <laughs> Yeah, that's true. But while we're speaking of quarterbacks, what do you think is going to happen to Cam Newton? Uh, I don't know. It's the first year that the Patriots are going to make the playoffs in a long time, which is – In like 30
2: years or something like that? Oh, it feels crazy.
1: It feels great.
2: I mean, I'm (laughs) right there with you. But I'm like, is he going to go – because wasn't he only signed for a year contract?
1: It was a one-year contract. And I would say that the Patriots are the best fit for him. And I Mm. feel that Belichick has been – very supportive of cam newton throughout this entire process they seem to uh, mesh really well their personalities they seem to work well together they're very complimentary of each other and i think that the season could have been different if cam didn't get covid and then have the lingering symptoms as well that it could have been different for the patriots and for his shot with them um, I think Cam still has a lot of talent. He's very talented. He seems to work really hard. And again, the Patriots and Belichick seem to have received him really well throughout this process. So yeah. I think that being with the Patriots would be the best bet for him moving forward and then also for the Patriots as well. Interesting. So you think they're going to go round two? I I think they'll give him another shot. I mean, who who else are they going to get? Yeah, let me see. the projected.
2: Okay, they're number 15 projected for their pick.
1: Yeah, so that, that's not going to help them at all with the Patriots being projected at 15 for their pick. So I would say that they stay one more year with Cam if they have a good prospect to draft for a new QB position, then do it and see what happens. But I don't see there being any harm at all with keeping Cam with the Patriots for at least right now. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I definitely
2: think that because um, there was like talk where like is he gonna retire, but it's like he's not gonna retire after being out with COVID part of the season, whatever. Should he retire? It's like it's a hard no. He has so much talent.
1: But there's no need for him to retire. No, there's it no seemed need. Seems like he had that. I would say the only time you would ever have to retire is one by if just injuries, if your body can't handle it anymore, or if you lose that passion or that drive. And you could see in his post um game interviews he had that fire he had that drive you could see that he was excited to play football again and that he was excited for this opportunity and I think that he he's willing and ready and wanting to work for this and so I think he's still a good fit for them I agree I'm so nervous for the Steelers game tonight I I don't know how I feel about it I don't feel good about it they should win But the last two games were just so shockingly bad that I think they're going to lose. What if they don't make the playoffs? I. Well, I think your boy is um, a potential MVP for this year, isn't he? Roethlisberger? Yeah. I don't know. I hate watching him play. He can't move anymore. So when he's in the pocket and he's stressed, he looks like a fish out of water. He's like, I don't know. It's like run. He can't run. He can't <laughs> move. He's like moving in slow motion, or like his feet are. It's like stuck in like um, quicksand. He's like one after another. It's just so rough watching him move.
2: I mean, I was just trying to throw you a lob so you could be excited <laughs> about maybe he'll get MVP. But if he if they don't make the playoffs, then there's just there's no chance.
1: They're, they'll make it. I. I they should win tonight. They should 100% win tonight's game. So hopefully they have a little fire in their belly after the two losses. They can get the win, clinch the playoffs, rest. They also played a pretty brutal schedule. They had to play three games basically yeah. back to back to back, and with Ben Roethlisberger basically being in a <laughs> old people's home, like he needs his rest. Like he needs to sleep and like he ice needs his, his body. Rest. He needs that. So I'm hoping that he, having a little bit more time to rest his body is what he will need to get the win tonight. <laughs>
2: you don't sound confident, but we are rooting for the Steelers.
1: I, I feel that if I... The times where I am confident in them to win, they never win, and the times that I'm yeah. always doubting them is when they pull it off. So I just want to talk as much shit as I can on the Steelers so that way that they can they can win. But they... It's just so weird to watch them play because their record's not bad at all. No, it's not. That's the crazy thing. But they look so bad. You compare them to the Chiefs with Mahomes, and you're like, it's a it's a completely different team. Like they they're good, and then Steelers are bad. (laughs) It's it's night and day Like the Steelers Don't look good They never look good When they play football It's the weirdest thing It's like one of those teams Where they just like Always look bad And you're like Shocked that they Are are, That they're winning At this time It's
2: It's like a kid Going through a growth spurt You're like Are you running or are you falling? Like, something just looks (laughs) wrong about your body right now.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yes. that's how it is watching them play games. (laughs) You're like, okay, you're up 20, but you look terrible. (laughs) How is this happening? How is this the process of you winning games? But they can do no wrong because I love Mike Tomlin. If I could play for any coach, I would want to play for Mike Tomlin. Really? Yeah. I just have the biggest crush on him. He is just so cool. Like, he wears his, like, little aviator sunglasses. <sighs> the most just, girl responds. It just does it he for me. He just has swag. I would he love just, to play for he, him. He does. He does have swag. He's very swaggy. So, Tori, if I had to date any NFL coach, it would probably be Mike Tomlin. Who's, who's your pick? No, mine is Green
2: Bay Packers, Matt LaFleur. Not because he's the youngest coach in the league, but... Just because he's also really attractive.
1: (laughs) Because he's really attractive. I mean, how's the dating going? Has it been... Is it it going? We need help. Okay, I gotta ask you, have you signed up for 3 Day Rule yet? Okay, I'm
2: not gonna lie. I went and looked at the application process and it's actually fantastic.
1: I was tempted myself. Not gonna lie. I... (laughs) I I mean, if you missed our interview with Robin a couple episodes ago, she's a matchmaker at 3 Day Rule. Go check that out. But it is the best place to find your next... boo? Is that the cool new lingo? So So if you're looking for someone, if you're recently divorced, need some help getting back out there, I know most guys don't have much game, but I know the perfect matchmaker that will help step up your game at 3 Day Rule. Seriously? Men, women, go check it out. It's just so much better than endlessly swiping on an app or trying just to like slide into DMs and being unsuccessful at that. They help you through this entire process. So if you are struggling and COVID, we all are, try 3-Day Rule. So sign up today using my link, 3dayrule.com slash page sporanic. That's 3dayrule.com slash page sporanic. You'll thank me later. Maybe you'll find me on there. Maybe we'll connect. <laughs> I love it. Maybe we'll go on a double date. Oh yeah, Tori, we we gotta we gotta do this, Tori. We have a professional fan joining us, Cameron Hughes. He his job <laughs> is to go around to sporting events and to cheer. It is the coolest job of all time. And this guy's energy is outrageous. So I am super excited to have him on. So keep on listening. He'll be on right after this.
0: Getting ready to take on spring. Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools.
1: I have a pretty cool job. I get to travel around, play some golf, but I would give that all up to do what our next guest does for a living. Cameron Hughes, should I call you the first professional fan? What what is your official title?
3: (laughs) That's always a great question. I started off uh, Paige as the dancing guy, and then I became super fan, cheer guy, crowd igniter. Now I just go by Cameron Hughes or king of cheer.
1: King of so, Cheer, yeah, which is the title, everything. yeah, King of Cheer, <laughs> which is the title of your new book. That when did it launch?
3: Uh, I launched in uh, November, so yeah, it's been a couple weeks out there right now, and yeah, it's been a, a bit of a crazy ride <laughs> the last twenty-six years.
1: So, how did you even get into this? How did this become your job?
3: Well, I was always a little wacko in high school and university. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just get right to it, right? You know, everyone's like, "Oh, you just this thing happened, and suddenly you have a career." I was at a NHL hockey game in my hometown in Ottawa. Uh, it was like minus 30 out, 10, 20 feet of snow. But Canadians, you know, like they still go to the hockey game. And my buddy brought me (laughs) to the game. And I'm I'm at the game, and it was like the first period, and nobody is cheering. Like it's nothing, right? Second period, nothing. Third period, I'm like, I was actually, I was upset. I was like, why isn't anyone having fun? Right. And so I look at my friend and I swear on my life, I was sober the first night. I look at my friend, I'm like, I'm going to do something. And he's like, please don't right. You know how we have friends that are like, they don't want us to be, they don't want to be embarrassed. So I didn't embarrass him at all. I just got up in front of 10,000 people and started to dance. <laughs> and everyone in the crowd is looking at me kind of like you are right now. Like, what were you thinking? What's going on? But it's this crazy thing. Like I started to dance. I had my face to the crowd and everyone's like, oh wait a minute, we're supposed to have fun at the game. Why not? So they started to clap and cheer. And then the play, you know, the play goes back on the ice and I sit back down on my seat. And then there was this buzz in the arena and the next whistle, I tell people, the reason I've had this, you know, career performing at 1500 events, 26 years, 41 States, 10 provinces, and I've only been hospitalized oh my goodness. eight times. What? <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> um, it's because I got up the next time because they were, they were like looking at me going, come on, keep dancing. So I went to the aisle and I was dancing the aisle and the crowd went nuts. And you know, I think a lot of people have fun ideas, things that happen. And then the moment goes away. I just decided to keep owning the moment. And that was 26 years ago.
1: Jeez. So how did you turn that into a paid gig? I mean, that's probably the sweetest (laughs) job ever
3: well i mean yeah that's sort of the funny thing right when you have something you 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 love or you want to do you're like what do i do now right i mean i'm sure you know that like it's like oh i love this and oh i'm good at this so you're like oh okay well i kept showing up at other arenas i literally would just show up at other nhl venues uh, nba all over north america on my own dime I'd make t-shirts, I've got these t-shirts that said dancing guy with my crazy face. <laughs> and I would hope that they would hire me, you know? And I eventually some would, eventually they'd be like, no, you." Get, I get kicked out of arenas, that's a true story. So I was performing and I got this booking agent who was booking all these crazy acts all over the world. And you know, from like crazy George to like little Elvis <laughs> to like dogs that pick up Frisbees at games. It was so weird. <laughs> And that was sort of the moment where I was like, wait a minute, I can make a living doing this.
1: I mean, so I go to a ton of sporting events and I want to cheer and be crazy and have fun, but I just get really embarrassed and self-conscious. How do you break out of your shell and to have a good time? Because I feel like a lot of people want to do that at games and to be free, but they're so worried about what other people are thinking of them. How do you not care about that at all?
3: Well, can I ask you a question? So what, what stops you?
1: I think it's being judged by other people being laughed at, or maybe they're going to make fun of my dance moves. I'm not a great dancer. I, I think it's that fear of people looking at you and talking about you in a negative way
3: but i find like what even when we do do that when someone does something and we talk about them it goes away in like a matter of seconds or minutes like <laughs> right you you make fun of you you laugh at someone for you know the crazy uncle or aunt at the wedding who embarrasses everyone and then you realize that they changed the tone of the event because they were like finally uncle bill was crazy enough to get up and dance we needed that right mm-hmm. so my whole thing my whole career has been the crowd will support you when you take a chance, you know, not to be too philosophical, but it's true. (laughs) Like if you got up at probably most of the events that you're talking about, I think most people, unless you're a jerk, obviously, (laughs) you know what I mean? And I've been to a lot of sport events where people have good intentions, but they don't work on the timing. Well, they'll just get, you know what I mean? The game will be going and they want to do something. So I've learned to work on the timing when the crowd needs it. You know, I've done the NBA finals like five years in a row and everyone was like, well, why would they need you? And I never said they needed me, but I'm just added value and I picked the right spot so that they do need you in that spot. So my challenge to someone like you who says, Oh, well, you know, I I don't want to be laughed at or, or I'm going to make fun of me. I mean, I, I, I did a recent TV hit on on a quiet street in the middle of COVID, and, and the host of the TV show wanted me to get the crowd going on a Monday. And they're all watching. They're all at the bus stop. And his whole thing was, you know, what does a guy who gets crowds doing for a living do when he can't? And I didn't want to do it, and that's what I do for a living. <laughs> but once I changed my state and saw a few smiles from people, I realized that they wanted to be pushed a bit. So I think that. At the end of the day those moments when you and the listeners are like i want to get up and say something i want to do something i really believe as long as it's not offensive or or the timing isn't horrible i think it's gonna work you know
1: Mm -hmm. i'll I'll have to break that out because i'm always one of the first people to dance at a wedding so maybe i'll take that into my sporting events and i love to dance i'll go i'll go and do that because i hate when everyone's just sitting around and it's awkward so i'll be the first one to do that but never at a sporting event
3: are you a good dancer
1: Oh, I'm a terrible dancer. I look like Elaine on Seinfeld.
3: (laughs) Well, can I tell you something between you and I? Yeah. I am a horrible dancer as well, but I made a living at it. (laughs) What's your go-to move that you do? I think my big thing, well, I strip off the t-shirts, right? So then I strip off the (laughs) t-shirts and then I dance like a lunatic while I'm twirling the t-shirts around. (laughs) And, you know, they give me a couple hundred a night and fans, you know, fans go crazy for these t-shirts, right? Uh, And then my big thing is to get other people up dancing with me. And there are some people that might be shy that don't want to do it. But my whole thing is once I put that t-shirt in their hand, it's so crazy. You watch the crowd and the crowd gets a little louder because they want to <laughs> see that shy eight-year-old kid or, or, or that granny or whoever it is. And they want you to succeed. Right.
1: I love that. Yeah. I, I definitely want to go to when it's safe, go to a sporting event with you and we can okay. go hype up the crowd.
3: I, have I don't to- think you're joking. by the way,
1: I'm dead serious we're gonna both be like swinging our shirts around it'll be a great time
3: you know what we could do is I've always like back in the day all my friends were like you should bring a date to a game I'm like yeah that would go well but we should set something up where you're sitting in the crowd and you're just nonchalant hanging out having you know doing your thing and then I'm like come on let's go and you're like no 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 and then eventually (laughs) I get you up and then I sit down and you take over I think people would
1: love that. But I have to ask you, what are some of the most wild experiences you've had at sporting
3: events?
2: Yeah, and embarrassing moment. Yeah. Uh,
3: yeah, embarrassing moment. We'll start with that. Uh, I fell down the stairs at a hockey game in <laughs> uh, South Carolina once. There was 11,000 people. It was, a not, it was a championship game. And no. everyone thought it was a joke. Everyone was like, oh, this guy's amazing. How does he do that? He's, so like, he's a stuntman. And I couldn't get up. And the trainer looked at me like, you're such an idiot. I saw what you were doing. Um, and I came back in the third period. They won, just kept cheering them on with crutches. That was kind of silly. Um, I think some of the crazy ones, like just like the shorter versions of the story are I perform at the US Open tennis. And after a match, Novak Djokovic was on center court, number one player in the world. And the host, Brad Gilbert, they called me out. I came down to the court live on ESPN. There's this lunatic jumping over the railing in the video, <laughs> security's chasing me. <laughs> and Novak Djokovic live on ESPN is like, No, no, it's okay. Next thing I know, I give him an I Love New York t shirt, which was my signature shirt. And we're twirling our shirt live at, on Center Court on ESPN. <laughs> and everyone, people were reaching out to me. I remember driving back after going, Was that planned? And I'm like, Yeah, 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 sure. Okay. <laughs> um, You're like, We wish yeah we wish and, you know it's just it's so funny you know sports is a funny thing um you never know what's going to happen you know i've been right to, uh you know so many of these different events and next thing you know I, you know you're having a dance off i've had dance off with like nba athletes on like on the side of the court and they're looking at me like oh my god you've got no rhythm dude <laughs> <laughs> but my joke is i got the gig right <laughs> so yeah and then a lot of it you know Page, I love the interaction with the fans, right? Um, I had one a great moment in Vancouver up at a big, huge rugby match in Canada, 35,000 people. And I turn around, it was the end of the day and all these kids are dancing. And I was like, oh, that's that's isn't that cute, was my thought, right? And then I turn around and they're still dancing. And this one guy, young kid, doesn't stop. So I move out of the way and he t- takes over, he's trolling shirts, he's going crazy. Young boy named eight, uh, Malcolm, he's 18, he has Down syndrome and he literally like it has like i don't know 10 15 20 million views the video it's like wow. the greatest moment of my career because it really showed that it's not about me it's about getting other people to celebrate you know
2: mm. i love that i know you write about this in your book that you actually have partied with prince before
3: that was the weirdest moment yeah that would be <laughs> up there so imagine imagine this okay imagine going to the sisterhood of the traveling pants part 2 film premiere in LA (laughs) and three hours later, you're in Prince's uh, house and he's DJing and there's 22 people there. Oh, intimate. Oh, it was crazy. Yeah, it was only the people from the movie that were allowed there. I still have the napkin that I might've taken. Um, and, and there was like Blair Underwood, the actor, he and I were there. I've never met him and he and I were getting a tour of the house. And I'm like, as if, I'm acting as if I'm his best friend yeah. and apparently Ashton Kutcher tried to come into the party, but he wasn't allowed. And Ashton's like, what are you, what are you punking me? Is Prince punking me? He's like, sorry, it's just people with the movie. And here's like this crazy Canadian guy rolling up in his, you know, Ford Focus station wagon, you know, <laughs> yeah. this was like 12 years ago going, are they going to let me even in, you know? <laughs>
2: I mean, I don't know what to laugh harder at, the fact that, like, you ended up at his house or that you were at, like, the Sisterhood of a Traveling Pants
3: premiere. Oh, I think that that's <laughs> something that we, I would rather not talk about, but yeah. it's not a bad movie, okay? Let's be honest. No, it's
1: a great movie. <laughs> great that transition flick. from there to Prince's house is mind-blowing.
3: <laughs> yeah, but Paige, I have to tell you this. One of the best bad dancing stories to Something Funny was at my birthday party, probably 13, 14 years ago. I'm in LA. My friend comes and she brings Alanis Morissette. Okay. Next thing I know, all these Canadians, I'm from Canada, we're dancing like crazy. I'm doing my shtick. It's my birthday. No holds barred. Two weeks later, her producer assistant calls me and says, do you want to be in an Alanis video? And I'm like, what? (laughs)
2: Like, yeah.
1: Yeah.
3: I'm like, this is a little weird. So next thing I know, I'm one of the dancers in her video, she did a a parody of Fergie's My My Humps way back in the day, and it blew up on the internet. It was one of the first big celebrity viral videos. And then she hosted a party and Fergie sent a, a cake of her humps, this big cake. And then I'm breakdancing in Atlantis' living room. So I mean, you never know where cheering will get you, right? (laughs)
1: That's insane. So Cameron, last question. I have to ask you, so golf is a little bit more reserved. Going to golf events, uh, they can be a bit boring at times. And when I go to hockey, baseball, football, like you could literally name it. There's so much energy in the crowd. It's like going almost to like a concert. They make it this whole experience. So as a professional fan and cheer, the man, the king of cheer, how do we make golf events more fun for people?
3: Well, my first question would be, do you think the, the athletes, do you think that you want the crowd to be cheering and being louder?
1: i think at appropriate times definitely i think we want more of that energy because that's when like the Ryder cup or we have a huge uh tournament here in arizona called the waste management and it's so much fun and then you go to other events and the energy seems to be down a little bit so i think it would be nice to have a little bit more fan interaction during uh, those big moments
3: i think you nailed it at the right time right and Mm -hmm. i think the problem is um, they probably a lot of organizers see the waste management tournament they're like oh we don't want to be that <laughs> but you can scale it back like that's yeah. my whole thing is like i bring crazy energy because i'm hired to i can bring we can bring it down you know i met with the european tour the golf tour i literally sat in their offices and outside of london and they were like we're gonna have you at this championship <laughs> we're gonna have you start we're gonna have you running up and down the, the the grass as the you know bubba watson's about to you know tee off and i'm thinking is, are we filming this moment? <laughs> like, but it was the, it was their mindset of wanting to do something different for their fans, right? Yeah. And I think it's about finding the balance because um, I think athletes have realized, you know, especially in the last nine months, what it's like not to have fans cheering you on, right? So my whole thing is, I think if you push it, like you said, at the right times, I think it'll work.
1: Okay, so we'll have to go to a golf event together. We'll be running up and down the fairways. We'll probably yeah. get kicked out, but I'll it'll do anything to grow the game of golf.
3: Yeah, it'll grow the game of golf. I think, I think though, that fans want to celebrate their athletes more, yeah. you know? And I think that the problem is there's always someone that's a little too much that might make it, you know? I'm not looking at myself when I say that. Yeah. <laughs> What's the craziest moment you've had playing golf and um, a crowd reaction for you?
1: So it was at the Waste Management. I played in the Pro-Am the Wednesday before the tournament started. And there were, I mean, even then for a Pro-Am, there's 80,000 people there. And on number 16 is the par three that they're known for. I hit it to three feet, and then I made the putt for birdie. And the crowd went wild. And it was the most people I've ever played in front of. I felt like a superstar. Like that that. energy (laughs) that you have from the crowd is I mean, the adrenaline rush that I had is something unlike anything other, anything that I've ever experienced before. It was insane. And so was, that's why I was like, we need to get more of that going on. It, it's just that it gives you so much energy and joy. And especially now, we definitely need more of that.
3: Especially now. Okay. Did you have a dance when you hit the birdie?
1: Oh, I like, I put my hand up in the air and then I walked away and I was like, no one look at me. <laughs> I get very shy in big types of moments yeah. like that. I don't, I don't react well because if I tend to do something like a dance, it just comes off very awkward. And so yeah. I'm like, let's just avoid all of that and we'll walk away. <laughs> like I'm, I've done this before.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. That's awesome. It's, isn't it amazing though how the crowd responds to people when you give them a chance though? I love that. Good for you.
1: Yeah, well, we really want to thank you for coming on today. You, The energy that even you brought to this podcast is and <laughs> so infectious. Your smile and everything that you do, we just want to thank you for keeping everyone joyful, especially all during these hard times. And everyone, go check out King of Cheer. Go get his book. Thank you. Tori, right, I think we need to go to some sporting events when we can. And we'll, we'll do his little trick where we take our shirt off, kind of wrap it around, throw it around, dance a little bit. I think we'll make the crowd go wild. If you're about to take your shirt off, first of all,
2: I'm good. I'll keep mine on. But it gets the people going. Ants to melons over here. But also, (laughs) like, I would love to see some of your go-to. You said you tear up a wedding dance floor. Like, I, I need to see that in action.
1: It's not good dancing, but it's, I mean, some might not even call it dancing. But the moves are there. It's about the energy that you put into it. Deep. Let me write that down. (laughs) so you guys know that I have issues wrapping a show it's well known Mm -hmm. not as documented as you would think because we have to edit all of it out so it, it sounds better when you guys listen to it but It takes a lot longer. I mean, we let out like five, ten minutes of me just rambling, trying to get the show wrapped up, and I never know how to wrap it. So thanks to Brady, who sent me a DM. Tom Brady! (laughs) He said, this is how I should wrap it. And I want to thank Brady for this, because without you, Brady, I would be lost. He said, thank you for listening to this week's episode of Playing Around. You can listen to next week's episode wherever you find your podcast. I hope you all have a great week. Wow. Nailed it. Nailed it. So, guys, if you want me to read your outro, send me a message. You could be like, Brady, maybe I will will say your outro on next week's show. So you can email us at par at iheartradio.com. Send me an outro. I'll read it next week. Have a great week.
0: Follow Playing Around with Paige Renee on iHeart Radio, or subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more...